Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. Welcome back, everybody, to Advice from a Call Center Geek, the contact center podcast where we try to give you some actionable items that you can take back to your call center to improve your agent quality, to improve your culture, and hopefully improve the customer experience as well. My name is Tom Laird. I'm the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing. Expedia is a 500 and rapidly growing here to hopefully a six to 700 seat contact center outsourcer located in, uh, in beautiful northwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, thank you again for, for joining us here on the, uh, the 11th of April. We've had a really, really busy week here at Expedia. So, you know, I, I want to do a couple, I think, kind of unique things on this, on this podcast episode. We've We've had a couple client visits and some potential client visits. I've been traveling a little, and I am preparing now for nice in-contact interactions, which is the really the, in con- the nice in-contact user conference that is all next week for me in, in Aria in, in Las Vegas. So we're a silver sponsor. I'm going to be speaking two times as well, once on the Omnichannel track and another one on the Speech Analytics track. And then really excited to stay after everybody leaves the conference for another day or so for our ICBC meeting, which is the Nice and Contact Visionary Council, which I am a member of. So really good to be able to see the the roadmap for the next 18 to, to 24 months from a technology side, from what Nice and Contact is is planning and, and, you know, getting our opinions on some of the newer technologies that are that are coming out. So, you know, I'm going to have, a, I think, a really neat episode, neat, I hate that word, but a really cool episode in two weeks for you, when I get back from the from the conference next week, where we can really talk about some of the the next the next level technologies that will be coming out, and some of the things to, to start to prepare for. But I wanted to keep this lighter as I'm again just preparing my speech and, and kind of getting ready for all that, and and take a trip down memory lane. I just uh, I wrote a blog post for the customerthink.com blog blog site. And, and by the way, if you do not subscribe to that or you do not look at that every day. That's a mistake. If you are anything to do with, with contact center, with customer service, customer support, you need to check that thing out every single day. There's there's just articles that, that are in there all the time that really help. And are, it's, a, it's a really awesome reference point for, for anything related to the contact center. But anyway, I, I wrote a, a post yesterday or the day before on – Looking back at the call center when I first started and started really kind of being involved, and that's back in 1985. You know, for full disclosure, I was like nine or ten years old, but my family owned a call center. My brothers and sisters and I, you know, we really all grew up there. So after after school every day, we would we would be at the call center from three o'clock to when my parents left, and you know, the the call center people and, and those employees really became like our, our second family. And being there, you know, you had to do some work. 
So we picked up some jobs as well, and, and I wanted to kind of talk about that and kind of take that that stroll down memory lane and, and love to hear as well, you know, anything that, that you guys would have if you want to, you know, head over to that the Advice from a Call Center Facebook page when this is over. Because um, I know that it's everybody's got some really cool stories of, of kind of what things were like in, back in the day. Back in the day can be even, you know, like 2000, 2005, because I know a lot of things have even changed since then. But let's let's take a kind of a look and I guess through my eyes of, of kind of what, what I remember. You know, these are the days when, when outbound calling was huge. This is before any type of advanced telephony, any skills-based routing. There's no computer telephony integration because we didn't have a computer, right? All we had was uh, was was phones. This is the time when fulfillment was big, stuffing envelopes, typing scripts, you know, really creating paper scripts and, and how that evolved and, and how you do rebuttals. You know, those things we had to really kind of kind of think out. So – in 1985, the, the call center that my family owned, we worked mostly for financial institutions. Uh, we did a ton of outbound, again, an outbound credit card. This is kind of the heyday of, of credit card um, sales and, and credit card marketing. And a lot of the banks were trying to figure out how to, how to boost their, their credit card portfolios and how to sell this, you know, this newer concept of, of the credit card. So it's funny, you know, by the time I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I knew what an APR was. I knew what a grace period was. I had a I probably had more financial background than than most kids my age. One of the things that, you know, my job was as well was to make sure that we were in compliance with the very loose TCPA regulations. Now, when I say make sure that we were in compliance, I mean I don't think they'd really let a, a 12-year-old kid, you know, be, be be the person that's totally doing that, but my job, which I think was really important, was to color code all of these pressure-sensitive labels that the reps called off of. So what we would get, we would get these giant spools, like literally they were like giant rings um, of data, and we would put them onto our, our machine, and our machine would spit out these pressure-sensitive labels that they would print out on. And so the reps would each get a sheet of these, and they would literally you know, dial the phone number that was on them, and if they got a sale – they would unstick the, the label, put it onto a paper application, and then with a pen, or I believe it was just a pencil at the time because we didn't want to make any mistakes, with a pencil, we would then fill out the application with the customer on the phone. So my job, very important job, by the way, was to actually color code each of the states and the time zones to make sure that you know we weren't taking a lot of time to look to see that we were in compliance with, with what, uh, what states we were calling. Because you still didn't want to call California at 8 o'clock in the morning when we're dialing from the East Coast. So, you know, I, I kind of still remember the colors. You know, red was for the East Coast time zone. Blue was for the Central. Yellow was for the Mountain. And orange represented the Pacific time zone. So I would just take these highlighters and go, like, straight down the rows as fast as I could, making sure that I, I stopped at the proper states um, to color code so that they'd have an easy access to, to see who or, or what times when they were colored. My other really cool job, I remember, was taking – we took I took a weekend. You know, I'm 10, 11 years old. I don't know. I wonder if we even got paid for this. Um, but we had a, a projector, an overhead projector that projected the map of the United States on the wall. And I remember taking a – you know, one of those like sponge paintbrushes and actually just painting every single state and painting the United States on the wall. And then we had somebody come in. I didn't do that. Somebody came in and colored each of the states in that corresponded with the time zone, right? So you knew if you were dialing um, or if you had blue that you were in the central time zone and these were the states that, that should be right in the in the central time zone. So 
kind of a, kind of a little cool thing. I remember too the reps. You know, we weren't calling cell phones. There's no such thing as cell phones. If they got a funny answering machine, they would pass their stickers around, right, and everybody would dial it and laugh and, you know, just probably, you know, things that you, you, you would not do today at all. You know, it's kind of kind of funny. And again, yeses, they would, they would put on an application. Noes, they would just mark an X. And then if they had a callback, they would just literally write callback at 930 tomorrow, and they would kind of take those off and put callback in their, on their callback sheets. Kind of funny. I mean, how antiquated, but yet at the time, how cool we thought that that, that system was. You know, many uh, many centers had different techniques for how scripting was done because you know this was this was a new thing, right? These paper scripts and and how do you do them? You know, a lot of people just laminated them and put them in booths, but we had a, a pretty cool system. I remember, you know, our scripts were in flip books in each of the booths, so the associate could read the opening, then they could quickly flip to a rebuttal sheet um, or a disclosure when they needed. So instead of just kind of looking around or kind of, you know, randomly trying to look for, for what they needed to say, we would have like little tags and they would just flip right to that page for, uh, you know, not interested or too expensive or, or kind of whatever the, uh, uh, whatever the, uh, the rebuttal was. So, you know, outbound was pretty straightforward. You know, you, you had normal phones, you dialed them. Everything was kind of, you know, a little bit more calm. Inbound was a, was total wild, wild west, you know, at least for us. We didn't have a PBX, um, you know. A, the multi-million-dollar organizations I was had probably a, an Avaya, and you know, Avaya didn't even exist, and so it was probably a Lucent or just an AT and T PBX at the time. If, but you know, we didn't have that. We were you know just a contact center that was starting out. You know, we're only a year or two old in 1985, so you know we uh, we were using things you know, like just just basically daisy chains of of pots lines that would come in. And we would have a call center. I remember we had a call center of about 45 seats set up. And the, the calls would just come in and they would ring one phone to the next, to the next, to the next, you know, all the way around the room. And that's kind of how they were, were set up. And while that's great and really not too bad, it's tough when, you know, if, if a client sets something up where the hours of operation are a little bit different and phones are just ringing and nobody's there and they're just zooming around the room. That happened so many times where we just, you know, panicked and had to sprint reps, uh, sprint reps into the room to at least somewhat uh, stem the bleeding of, of, of the calls that were coming in. We had no stats, right? We didn't, at the time, we didn't know how many we were abandoning, you know, what our average handle time. There was nothing other than a phone call was coming in and it needed to be answered. Service level was a, was a foreign term <laughs> um, at the time. I think that's one of the questions I'm going to ask when I hopefully go to heaven is, you know, how many calls did we, did we abandon in those, those, those early years? You know, really the only other stat we had, we had, you know, calls answered. We didn't even have calls offered. We, we had yes and no's, and that was probably, you know, the most important thing for, for the client at the time. They didn't really care about actually servicing. They cared about sales. We didn't have a CRM. You know, one of the things that we did from a CRM was we had customer files written down on index index cards with important information and that we could update. Uh, so anytime that they called in, we would kind of talk, you know, just write down a, a quick memo of why they called. So the next time they call, uh, we would ask them, you know, their some customer information and try to pull that index card. And that was our really basic CRM, which I guess at the time worked. But wow, how uh, how frustrating must that have been for not only the customer, but just, you know, for the associates as well. You know, kind of crazy. The other thing that I think has changed a lot in the industry too is, is fulfillment. And I know that there's still a lot of fulfillment centers, you know, especially from a direct response standpoint where when customers want information and they're sending packets out and, and sending some of, you know, those type of, of informational things out. But, you know, back then 
it wasn't so much information. It was the actual, you know, program. It was the actual applications. It was the, you know, the the things that the customers, you know, from a credit card standpoint, all of those applications every single day got filled out. Uh, we brought them to our fulfillment area. They got batched to make sure that they were sent to the proper uh, proper bank to make sure they were sent to the proper department. Think about how crazy that is now. You know, you had a paper application with a ton of customer information, social security numbers. Some of these for for first and second mortgage for a refi. You know, they had you know their account information on them. Um, you know, <laughs> we, you know where they lived. They had everything on there, and we were just kind of you know, putting them into an envelope and mailing them. I guess that's probably why uh, all those uh, all those laws like PCI and and SOC two and, and and all those those HIPAA laws have, have really come out. They were they were probably sorely needed, um, especially you know even the TCPA regs that that were pretty loose at the time. But you know, fulfillment was really busy. You know, to, to not only you know handle all of the pressure sensitive labels, but to print everything out, make sure that all the reps had applications when they did get an application, making sure that it went to the right spot. Um, pretty, pretty intense and pretty crazy. I mean, we don't have a, other than a, I think we have, you know, one or two people right now here at XPU that, that do a little bit of fulfillment like two days a week, uh, for a couple of clients, but that's kind of an, another thing that's changed. Let's talk about the actual call center atmosphere because back in the eighties, we were still allowed to smoke in the call center. I mean, that seems like a really, really crazy concept now, but just like the airplanes, you know, in the, when you could smoke on an airplane and you could choose a smoking or non-smoking section. I remember we had the same thing in the call center, right? You could be on a smoking team or a smoking the smoking side of the room or the non-smoking side of the room, whatever that meant, right? Because you're still breathing all that stuff in. And I remember, you know, a couple years later, dude, I said, dude, I didn't mean to call it all you guys, dude, but I'm, I'm kind of getting into this. But I remember the burn holes that happened in the in the call center furniture and the booths and the chairs, just from the ashes and from cleaning all that stuff up and the the, the burn marks in the floor and the carpet crazy that, that that was just kind of the norm. You know, a couple of years after we we started, we did ban smoking in the call center and you would have thought we, you know, there was there was a huge revolt that I remember happened. So we had a compromise of that they didn't have to go outside, but we would have a smoking room. So literally we I remember we had like this 14 by 14 square room with some type of little filter fan in the ceiling that would constantly go and you you couldn't see people in there. It was so smoky because everybody was so jammed in there. And again, this is Northwestern PA in the '80s. Everybody smoked, so you know, kind of funny from from that aspect as well. You know, things that you wouldn't even you know think about today. Cost was also another you know kind of a kind of a neat thing to talk about. So you know, per minute cost. Think about now with VoIP. I mean, a lot of this stuff is under a penny a, a minute. So it's it's super cheap compared to what it was. You know, we were paying fifteen to sixteen cents a minute. You know, back in nineteen eighty five, we you know we got a deal to go to like seven eight cents from AT and T, and we thought we had a steal. You know, fifty percent of our whole cost of of our telephony was getting was getting reduced. You know, but we would get these boxes. I mean, you couldn't email anything. There was no internet at the time, so literally they would they would mail you these boxes of phone bills. That would just take up almost the whole room because it's every single phone number that was dialed and how much it was charged for it. It was it was crazy. But here's the other thing that kind of you know I've talked to a lot of colleagues about the cost per hour is still about the same you know for what we charge from an outsourcing side. You know back then it was you know in that twenty four twenty five twenty six dollar an hour range. Today it's you know it's a little bit more, but it's in that twenty six dollar. And while VoIP has gone down and, and the per minute charges have gone down. Minimum wage in Pennsylvania was like three twenty-five, 
So, you know, you, if we're paying our reps 550 or $6, uh, you're not doing that anymore or more than double that. So, you know, the, the prices, while they've, you know, gone down in some areas, have, you know, the, the, the labor cost has gone up, you know, a lot. But it's really kept the, the prices about the same from 1985. And I don't think there's many industries that you could say that, you know, really the cost for outsourcing has really stayed the same, which is, you know, and maybe another reason to, to maybe look at some outsourcing. But anyway, you know, really how quickly things change. You know, the cloud was a pipe dream back then. The internet was something that you that maybe people were starting to, not, you know what, 95, nobody was even talking about the internet. Not a chance. I remember in college and in 95, you know, that's really when I first logged into the uh, to the AOL and, and really got kind of into the internet. But speech analytics, chat box, chat bots, you know, those are things of science fiction. And now they're things that are, you know, almost must have for, for any type of contact center. So kind of an, an interesting kind of dive, I think, today. And, and again, I would love to hear some of the stories that you guys have of, of you know, even if it's 10, 15 years ago, but going back as far as, as some of you can remember to some of the ways and some of the techniques that you had. I'm going to post this, uh, the link to the podcast for this episode on the Advice from Call Screening Facebook page. And again, please, I'd love to hear some some feedback or some back and forth on on some of the some of the things that you guys have done and, and, and how your contact centers have evolved. You know, throughout the time, I think that's pretty a, a kind of an interesting story. So I, thought, I hope that's interesting. I thought that that was kind of a cool as I was, you know, talking to people around here and and, and really kind of reminiscing and thinking of the things that, that I did or, or that I saw you know, as I was just kind of starting my, my call center journey. So again, uh, as I kind of wrap this up, I will be back in two weeks. I may be doing an episode next week. I've never done an interview on the podcast, um, So, but Paul Herdman, who is the Head of Global Customer Support for Nice and Contact has agreed to kind of join me for a quick uh, interview. I don't know if I'm a good interviewer or not, so I'm, I'm debating whether uh, I'm going to have time to do that next week. But I'm going to try to do that. But if not, I will be back in two weeks, uh, and we're going to talk about technology and, and kind of the roadmap of, of where things are going in the next you know 18 to 24 months, which I think will be a really cool episode. But if you would, uh, if you would please, please uh, like and. Uh, kind of be involved with some of our social media assets from our advice from a call strategy twitter account instagram facebook page also we're on linkedin and they're you know as, as kind of my cheap plug that i always say we have advice from a call strategy book that is on amazon it discusses a lot of these topics that we we talk about here and kind of gives you a little bit of a workbook um, for for some of your call center operations things so Again, I hope that, that that was somewhat interesting. Those of you who maybe are flying out to uh, Vegas for interactions, please stop by the booth. Um, if you're kind of listening to this maybe on the plane, I got some bottle keepers for anybody who can uh, who can tell me that they listened to this episode. And you can uh, just say, hey, Tom, I listened the whole way through, and you said you'd give me a bottle keeper if I listened. Let's see how many, uh, how many I get. But again, uh, thank you guys very much, and I will either talk to you next week or, or in two weeks. So have a great one, everyone. This has been advice from a call center geek. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show so you're the first to hear next week's episode. Jam-packed with actionable takeaways you can implement ASAP. Chime in with your thoughts on the episode on Twitter at from underscore geek and on Instagram at call underscore center underscore geek. Also, take a look at our contact center operations book by the same name, Advice from a Call Center Geek on Amazon. This podcast is sponsored by ExpediaUSA.com. 